0: He's involved in a number of businesses.
1: He's a great role model. Telling it like it is, giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
2: This is Cats at Night, John Katsimatidis. This is the number one show at uh, 5 o'clock. And and we have a dynamite show today. And uh, uh, this is a uh, TriCast led by WABC 770. Uh, we have 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR, and a lot of breaking news, a lot of things happening today uh, in the studio with us. We have a Common Sense Democrat, Judge Richard Weinberg, Common Sense Republican, uh Ed Cox. Uh, right here. Uh, yeah, well, for, first son-in-law. <laughs> I, I will tell you what that means. And, and he has some breaking news, Governor David Patterson, Governor, and... The former um, uh, ambassador and consul general in New York from Canada. We have John Prado. Welcome, con- all guys. Common Sense it's Canadian. Canadian. A common <laughs> Sense <laughs> Canadian. Common Sense Canadian. I love that. And Lydia Serrani, my sidekick and uh, right-hand We've got some
3: great news coming up. Uh, An exclusive report, of course, Ed Cox will be a part of it, along with John Fasso. They are the attorneys who fought the redistricting, so exclusive details coming up on that. You heard Bob Brown talk about it. And then we'll also be speaking with U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan about the strategic oil reserve, this whole plan by the White House to bring the oil prices down. Then we talk to Lon Augustenberg. He's a longtime CIA station manager in Russia, and of course he'll be talking about Putin. Tom Harris is up next he is the acting president and CEO of the Times Square Alliance Stephen Eyed, and then we end the show with Frank Morano. probably some little aliens are going to come and attack us right John
2: no. okay <laughs> uh, is, the, is the is the senator on we're still
3: waiting for the senator we're okay. still we're still waiting for the senator so why don't we do you want to go to that breaking news
2: that we talked about well, earlier uh, Ed Cox you want to start to talk about it or should we get John Faso Let's on? Wait till... uh, can we get John Faso on the phone Ed Cox and uh, Ed Cox and John so t- tell us you were co-consul no they were the brain trust to the whole yeah. tell us about it Ed. Yeah, and, look and, we, and we, got, we got a
4: great team that's been working on this for two years uh we had to litigate to make sure that the legislature actually funded the independent redistricting commission this is all about redistricting and the question is there are super majorities for Democrats in both houses, the legislature, and they want to hold on to that for the next decade. So it's a one party state. And we know what that means. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And we need that. We need to have make sure that we have fair districts and fair races here in New York.
2: And we're trying to get John Faso on. He has the actual court papers and what they say. And to get on any response from uh, the other side. Uh, uh, governor Patterson, the ex-DNC uh, 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 or he's state, chairman. The state, state he's chairman, state chairman, the no, state governor.
5: Chairman. I have no comment.
6: No comment. <laughs> I understand. No, actually,
5: uh, yes. He, go ahead. I always thought that there were times that the redistricting went too far. Uh, I sued on the same point back in two thousand and three, and lost. And so, in spite of the fact that the other side is now sued, uh, basically saying the same thing I was saying, uh, I feel vindicated.
4: You were right. Well, it <laughs> looks you like right. it,
3: it, it <laughs> looks like it's been a bad day in Albany because the lawmakers are set to miss the state budget deadline because they're still going back and forth. But we do have our first guest on the line right now. We have U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska. Hello, Senator Sullivan.
7: Hey, Leah, how are you doing? Great to be back on the show. Hello, John and uh, Judge, everybody, Governor. Great to be on the show again. we also
2: have a special guest. We have uh, John Prado, who was Consul General in New York uh, and ambassador to a few countries uh, for Canada. And he is very sensitive to oil and what's going on in Canada. So, uh, Senator, where do you want to start on oil? I mean, uh, lots of things are happening.
7: Well, look, uh, John, great to be on the show again. I'll just start with this, right? Uh, President Biden, who from day one tried to keep a campaign promise. Remember what he said when he was on the campaign trail. He said, I promise, I guarantee we're going to have fuels. That's what he said. And um, so now you have this crazy policy today where he said uh, he's going to release – oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Here's my message for the president. Mr. President, we have a much better Strategic Petroleum Reserve that you need to tap. It's called the state of Alaska. And you got to get your boot off our neck so we can produce oil and gas for the American people. That's where we need to begin, not some kind of window dressing that's not going to help at the end of the day.
2: And, and John Prado, how many uh, barrels of oil does Canada have?
7: So
8: Canada has the third largest reserves in the world. It's approximately 180 billion barrels of oil. So there's plenty of oil in North America. The truth is America needs Canadian oil and Canada needs American oil. It goes back and forth between the borders because there's different types of oils in each country. But the announcement today I think is very, very bad news. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve was developed for America's national security. It's there for two reasons. One, in case of war, but also in, when there are disruptions because of hurricanes, right? And Natural we need the right? flow of oil. So to take out a million barrels a day and do it for six months, 180 days, weakens America's national interest. And I'm all about America's national interest, you know, me, for many years. So, you know, Senator Sullivan, I saw you on TV uh, I believe it was on CNBC articulates so well the need to develop America's energy and to develop also Canadian energy together. We can, we can work to make the continent strong, create jobs, stop sending money to overseas dictators that don't like us.
7: And at the same time, strengthen the North American economy. Yeah, John, I couldn't agree more. And You know, the the whole point here is from day one, day one, this administration has been focused on stopping the production of American energy, killing critical infrastructure for energy, particularly Keystone XL, and you are exactly right, John, about uh, energy going up and down between the United States and Canada. North America has to be the key energy producer for the world. in this one, which is um, woke and weak financial institutions on Wall Street (laughs) being pushed by guys like John Kerry are being told not to invest in American energy. It is crazy. Unfortunately, we have some not just federal regulators who want to stop the financing of American energy, but we have, from my view, some very woke, weak Wall Street leaders who – you know, would rather invest in China, propping up dictators in China, rather than investing in American energy in places uh, senator, like Alaska. Makes no sense.
2: That makes no sense at all. North America could be uh, energy free. Uh, senator, there was some breaking news there before. Uh, and Miranda Devine
3: of the New York Post. She was on Fox. And we business. haven't verified
2: it yet. But go ahead, tell, well, read re- 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 it to right. the senator. And our- this
3: is what Miranda Devine is alleging. She's claiming that Hunter Biden put. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin together to make an oil deal and that Hunter's partner was arrested at the airport regarding some other money laundering charges. And she suggests that Republicans should start throwing the word impeach around like Biden and the Democrats did to but Trump when, and the Republicans. When was he
2: arrested? Is this an old report or is this just arrested today?
3: Uh, I I don't know exactly all the details. We're trying to actually We're get Miranda Devine line to see what – what uh, proof that she has to verify it, but she was also the one that brought out the the laptop. A lot of people are now wondering: Could the Biden administration be compromised? Because, like John Katzmacides always says, every every move he makes, America loses, and somebody else, our adversary, seems to be winning.
7: Well, look, I uh, this is the first I've heard of that report, but I will it tell you just, this:
2: just this afternoon.
7: Oh, I yeah, I've not heard anything about that, but um, I will tell you this: to the context of what the report is referencing, we know that Xi Jinping and Putin are working together all the time. And what I've been referring to, and John, I think I mentioned it on your show several months ago, we're in this new era of authoritarian aggression led by Xi Jinping and Putin. Obviously, you're seeing it in Ukraine, this brutal invasion, which is just horrendous, but you're seeing it with Xi Jinping as well. Back to the ambassador's point, one of our great strengths as a nation to deal with these dictators is our energy independence, is our resources, is our incredible abundance. And I agree, it's not just America, it's our good ally in Canada, whether it's critical minerals, whether it's oil and gas. And this administration from day one has been trying to undermine it. It makes absolutely no sense. The results are predictable, higher costs for working families at the pump, uh, energy workers being laid off, and empowering adversaries like Putin. It has been a failed strategy, and it's undermining America's national security interests.
5: Senator Sullivan, this is David Patterson. I have a very explicitly political question to ask you. No matter what President Biden promised his supporters when he got into office, when we started to have this problem with Russia... At this particular point, this was a golden opportunity for him to start to open up uh, our the oil that we can receive from Alaska and other places because no one would really oppose it right now because of the conflict with Russia. This would be easy to do this and at the same time drop the prices of oil and probably stave off some inflation all at once. But he doesn't do it.
3: I want you guys to hear what Speaker Pelosi said just a short time ago. This is what she said regarding us becoming more energy independent again.
9: But we cannot allow the fossil fuel industry to use this as an excuse to reverse everything we're doing to save the planet.
7: Jeez,
2: Louise. Jeez, Louise! rise a half an inch, maybe. On
5: second thought, Senator, She's you don't have to answer the, the planet. question.
2: <laughs>
3: She's saving the planet. She's a superhero. Come on, guys. Well,
7: can I make two points real quick? Governor, you're, so I wrote a letter with 23 other Republican senators uh, right before Joe Biden's State of the Union address, and we mentioned exactly what you just said. We said, with the brutal invasion of Ukraine by Russia, with this new era of authoritarian aggression by led, by led by the two dictators, Putin and Xi Jinping. Mr. President, you need to make a course correction on energy. And here are 12 things that you can do tonight and announce in the State of the Union that will get us back to energy independence. The American people will fully support it. By the way, one of my 12 was to fire John Kerry, but I'm not sure they were going to do that. <laughs> but, anyway, but here's the big thing, and, and, and I've been trying to emphasize this in a hearing just last week. When you look at emissions that have come from the United States since 2005 to present, we are the country that have, has reduced global em- uh, greenhouse gas emissions more than any other country by far – in the world because of the revolution in natural gas production. So you can produce energy and at the same time dramatically reduce emissions. That is what we've done in the same period, 2005 to 2020. China, India, Russia, Iran have all gone through the roof in terms of emissions. We're the country that has reduced them more than anybody, including in, in Europe. So it's a win-win opportunity, national security, economic security, and the environment.
8: Senator, you're absolutely right. It's John Prado. And people have to understand that both America and Canada can reduce the greenhouse gas intensity from each barrel of oil. We have strong environmental standards. We have strong labor standards. Do you think the rest of the world has the standards that we do in no these way. two nations? Not a chance. The other thing I would like to highlight is when he's releasing oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, he's releasing oil that was purchased below $30 a barrel. That oil will eventually have to be replaced to fill up the reserve again. Do you think it's going to be replaced at $30? It's going to be placed at much, much higher costs to the fiscal treasury, and all Americans are going to be paying for
6: that. Speaking of that, Senator uh, Richard Weinberg, did you know that in the uh, Biden budget, they're proposing 11 new taxes on fossil fuels?
7: Yeah, I mean it's the same judge. I mean it's it's whatever they can do to um, make it harder to produce energy. You know, I was uh, in in uh, John. Uh, you had mentioned I was on, you know, Squawk Box the other day, and they said, "Hey, well, what senator? Then what do you think the energy sector needs? Like more tax breaks?" I said, "Here is the one thing the energy sector in America needs." Get the federal government's boot off the neck of the energy industry. In Alaska and Texas and North Dakota, we can produce. We don't need anything. We just don't need to be blocked, which is what they're doing, to have pipelines and infrastructure shut down and to have our financial institutions, pressured by John Kerry and Gina McCarthy and others, to not want to finance people who produce Energy in our country—it just makes
4: no sense. And Senator Ed Cox here, you have a beautiful pipeline that was built when you could build pipelines—the Alaska pipeline, two million bring, barrels a
2: day. Yeah,
4: and it's—it's it's not full at the moment. You, if you could drill up there, you bring up the oil, you can get it down to the lower forty-eight.
7: Ed, a hundred percent right. And John, you're 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 right. At one point, the. Prudhoe Bay with the Trans Alaska Pipeline at one point was producing two point two million barrels a day. Think about that. American energy produced and built by American workers with the highest environmental standards on the planet. And we could we have we have billions and billions of barrels still in Alaska and that pipeline now is uh, you know, one third or two thirds empty. So you don't need any new so, infrastructure. Senator, why
2: are we making the Russians rich? Why are we making the the uh, OPEC zillionaires and Saudi Arabia zillionaires again? And now we even want to buy from Iran their oil or, or, or arrange for them to sell it and Venezuela. I mean, you can't make this up.
7: John, it's unbelievable. What I've been saying to this administration, quit going around the world on your knees begging dictators for oil. What we need to do is produce it from our own country, with our own workers, with our own high environmental standards. And here's the big issue that's been going on. And I've been saying this, you know, quite some time. We all know what's really happening here. You heard it a little bit from Speaker Pelosi's comments Joe, if you if you right now have Ukrainian grandmothers standing up to Russian tanks, you would at least expect Joe Biden to be able to stand up to the woke left of his own party. But he can't do it. And that's why they the won't question do it. is
2: the question is. And I think that uh, that there's also information that uh, uh, is uh, the is president Biden compromised. And uh, we had a. a a, uh, we, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, if his son, if his son is guilty, and I understand, there's a grand jury sitting in Delaware. If his son is guilty, how many fathers would turn in their son? Right. I'm not. I wouldn't turn in my son.
6: <laughs> Judge Weinberg? would protect their son, right? I, I said yesterday, uh, 99.9. I
2: protect it. You protect <laughs> your son, Ed Cox. Would you protect your son? not talking All right, no okay. comment
4: <laughs>
3: spoken like a true attorney We at reserves the right sons. to remain silent you know would you protect your three sons
8: they're, they're toddlers I have to protect
3: them <laughs> I also have to bring up that Nancy Pelosi's husband bought 2.2 2 million speaking of 2.2 2 million worth of uh, Tesla stock 2,500 shares so you can't when, when help the but wonder is what, 30? you can't that. help but wonder what is really the motive here
2: well, Senator Dennis Sullivan, we want to have you back because this is, these are good discussions, but we have some breaking news coming up in New York State. The redistricting, uh, that the Democrats did has been thrown out, and, um, we have some people that want to talk about it. And thank you, Senator, so much for doing what you're doing to, to help, uh, America, to help Alaska. Alaska, God bless uh, Alaska, God bless America, and God bless Canada, too. You know why Alaska and Canada are part, when we say America, they're part of North America.
7: Well, hey, John, thanks very much. I look forward to being back on the show and keep up the great work. This energy issue, I'm telling you, it's turning. The average American, whether Democrat or Republican, knows we need to produce more oil and gas in our own country and quit begging dictators to Produce it for us. It makes no sense for 110
2: dollars a barrel. Yeah. you know, you know, uh, President Biden better realize soon that uh, the American people are not that stupid. Thank you so much.
7: Yes, sir. Thank you very much,
2: Ed. Ed Cox. Uh, I understand we have your partner, uh, Ed uh, uh, John Faso, that uh, did this, this redistricting. Would you want to introduce him, please? You bet. John Faso's on the line here, John. Yes, Ed. Uh, nice
4: to be with you and John. Well, you've got something to announce. Breaking news, right? Break, breaking news.
10: Uh, the uh, state Supreme Court uh, in the upstate county of Steuben County uh, about an hour ago uh, declared the redistricting enacted by the Democrats in the legislature in Albany to be unconstitutional. And the judge tossed the lines for the U.S. House, uh, the state Senate and the state assembly uh, because the process that the Democrats used to jam this unconstitutional gerrymander through the legislature was violated the uh, provisions of the Constitution that the people enacted in 2014. So when reporters have asked me, what does this mean? I say, well, what, what it means is that the people won and the politicians lost. Uh, so the judge ordered that the uh, legislature pass bipartisan uh, plans to fix the redistricting by April 11th, and if they don't, uh, the judge will appoint a, a special referee or a special master to do that.
4: So, so that means that we will have fair districts here in New York for our state senate and for our congressional seats within two weeks. Is that right? And the assembly too.
6: And the assembly too. And the and the assembly too.
4: Yep.
2: You you, 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 you have
5: to watch your Johns. There's at least three Johns in this (laughs) room. John, uh, this is David Patterson. As you remember, in 2003, when I sued on the same grounds, the difference was that the Assembly was controlled by the Democrats and the Senate was controlled by the Republicans. So the court felt that their agreement on these lines, which were wrong on both sides, and they just let it go. So, believe it or not, I'm actually happy to see uh, the, the work you've done in they reach today.
10: Well, Governor, it's great to talk to you. Uh, you were a great friend uh, during the years when we served together in Albany, and uh, uh, it's great to hear your voice. The difference also, uh, Governor and my friend John Katsimatidis and Ed Cox, the difference today is that in 2014, the people of the state, uh, frankly led by a former mayor, Ed Koch, the people of the state enacted a constitutional amendment that was intended to bar partisan gerrymandering, where, where the politicians pick their voters rather than the voters picking their politicians. And that constitutional amendment in 2014 was the basis of the judge's decision today. Now, of course, we're very pleased and, and enthused about the judge's decision. It's going to be appealed, obviously. Ultimately, we hope that the New York State Court of Appeals Uh, pays close attention to what the people decided back in 2014 and will uphold this decision. And look, if the legislature doesn't act to fix this on a bipartisan basis, then the court will appoint an expert who will come in and draw those lines so that the people have fair, competitive districts across New York State.
4: And John, this did not happen by mistake. It was a Two-year fight, including getting the independent uh, redistricting commission funded. The legislature didn't want to do it. Uh, The Empire Center had to go into court to do that. This was a long fight, and this is a good start to a good ending for the people of New York State.
10: Absolutely. And um, I I just hope uh, if people are interested in listening, uh, call their state legislators and, and tell them they want to have fair lines enacted in Albany and if the, if the legislature doesn't pay attention by April 11th we have the prospect of someone in truly independent coming in and redoing these lines which would be terrific
6: judge Weinberg any comment i think it's a i think it's a great victory i think it was very clear from the beginning the 2014 constitutional amendment provided for fair process the democratic party ignored that
2: without further process. comment uh, in this studio will your wife agree with it <laughs>
3: Well, you got uh, to explain the joke. you got to explain it. His-
2: no mercy, John. You have no mercy. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: <laughs> well, uh, suffice uh, to say, John my, Faso, my, my, wife,
2: my wife's on the other side of the issue. She, she, <laughs> Judge Weinberg's wife is on the other side of the issue because she's, she's, a, she's lawyer. a lawyer. <laughs> she's a lawyer.
5: <laughs> All I can John. say is that I have never seen my good friend Ed, Ed Cox look so happy since his father-in-law won. 49 of the 50 states in 1972. That's a lot of states. That was pretty
4: nice. That was
5: the biggest
4: win for the Republican Party ever at that time.
2: <laughs> well, well John Faso, thank you so much. We have to take a break. A and uh, please keep us informed. And uh, Great and, job, uh, guys. Great job. and uh, Because what we want in New York State is fairness. That's it. I think fairness and common sense is uh, of paramount importance. Thank you so much.
10: Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Let's go to a break. And after the break, we
3: are speaking to a former CIA station manager in Russia, and he's got some info on Putin. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person and everywhere else. Sell on social media
1: A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Cats at Night on 77 WABC.
3: Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show where you hear everything you need to know in this one hour. The truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. We got Lon Augustenberg on the line. He is a retired longtime CIA station manager in Russia. He's illustrious 35 year career in the CIA's clandestine service. Hi, Lon. How are you? I don't know. What What do we call you? Can we still call you Agent Augustenberg?
11: Well, in the CIA, we don't call ourselves agents. <laughs> our agents are our sources, the people we recruit. Oh, see? And, I'm uh, thinking and it's we like, leave special agents to the FBI, you
2: know. Oh, see? I'm Lon, thinking it's like a bond. Lon, what the heck is going on in Russia? It looks like they have an army that uh, a bunch of uh, – what's the nicest um, way I could say it? Bozos. <laughs> <laughs>
11: Well, I think we've we've always known that the the the, the Russian army wasn't up to stuff, and the Soviet army was even worse. And we saw what they did in, in Georgia, and it was pretty inept, and so forth. And I think the last time we talked, it was about a mu- uh, over a month ago, just before the invasion. And, and I think I, I did mention that they're going to be a little surprised at at some of the equipment and the weapons we're giving them, and how effective they're going to be against their 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 tanks and so forth. And it's been it's even better than I thought. I'm I'm pretty impressed uh, that we that the uh, ukrainians have been able to hold them off for well over a month now it's 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 pretty impressive it's just that we're not doing enough in my view
2: did putin do it did Putin have those generals shot or they they got killed by themselves
11: I think they got killed by themselves I think they're trying to get up front and and, and they thought well I could, I don't think he had them shot because otherwise um, we wouldn't known that they were dead. I I think this, we are getting this from intelligence reports and people on the scene, but to have two Lieutenant generals killed out of the seven is pretty, pretty astounding to have
4: uh,
11: um, that high ranking people up that close that the Ukrainians could get at them. I mean, that's pretty impressive.
4: Uh, Um, Ed Ed Cox here. you, You said that we could be doing more. What are the things that we could be doing?
11: Well, there's a, Biden has sort of really been so cautious. I think we got to put everything on the table and make Putin sweat. I, I, I don't know why we can't give the MIGs at, at least and keep them in a safe place and use them. And it just makes an added threat for them to worry about. I think there's a, there's a couple of additional, um, anti-tank, anti-armor weapons. I think we've got to give a lot more, um, drones, any thousands of drones they have been so effective and we have them on. And so, I, I we've stepped it up. He said another 500 million yesterday and on the call or this morning, um, I think it's more than cash. We got to just give them a lot, a lot more weapons. How about uh, some of the,
4: weapons. how about some harpoons for the, uh, for the exactly, black sea yeah. coast for Odessa?
11: Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I, I, I think we we should give them some, you know, submariner equipment and, and sink some of their ships off Odessa. I think that's a critical place. And, uh, um, the air corridors as well I think, uh, you know, we keep talking about Possible no-fly zone But at a minimum, a UN um, Humanitarian corridors uh, Including air cover Would be ju- well justified uh, And I think it would just put Putin further on his heels I um, uh, He's more and more isolated all the time I don't think he's getting good intelligence I think he's sweating from a whole bunch of Situations, I think he's very concerned about his intel service that he came out of, the SVR, the KGB, which is now S- SVR and FSB, he's already fired his F- FSB chief. Um, I think that wasn't out of bad intel. I think that was just out of fear of, of manipulation behind the scenes that could bring him, um, you know, uh, pull him from power uh, and, and keeping the clamps on domestically. I, I think I saw a poll that his numbers went up uh, this morning, and I just laughed at it because you can't take a serious poll in Russia. I think his numbers are actually – probably seriously
4: down and I, he's sweating i think biden is pulling back on some things because he fears what putin might do i think putin knows what he's going to do he'll lie about what he's going to do but he's going to do what he wants to do regardless and uh, i i think that being a little bit shy because it's by, uh, because putin might do this or that is not where the president should be. He should be getting everything that he can to the Ukrainians who are fighting, and they're fighting for what we believe in. And we should supply oh, them with everything they need.
11: Uh, the same thing I'm getting a feeling from Biden is that he's just trying to get a ceasefire, and and we should be out this to win it. Now, I mean, now the Ukrainians are showing they can win this if we give them enough support and just drive the Russians out of, uh, out of the Ukraine. Now they can sign a neutrality agreement, but in the meantime. If we can get them out of Ukraine, we can refortify them so the Russians will hesitate a long time before they try this again. And that's what we have to stop. They have to learn that they just can't invade any country they want, and we're going to stand by and just say, okay, we're going to hurt you economically. We're hurting ourselves economically. Why should we hurt ourselves when we can do enough to win this thing?
4: And um, his, historically, and- every time the Russians have lost, uh, whether it's Crimean War 150 years ago, whether it's the Jap- Japanese Russo War or whether it was World War I or whether it was Afghanistan, there has been changes in their government that could only help the West.
8: And that starts with going back to the Russo-Japanese War, where they thought they, they attacked Japan, they thought they were going to win, that eventually leads to a revolution in 1905, and that was a precursor to 1917. So, absolutely right. What I would say, Lana, and this is John Prado, is I've been very impressed Hi, with the quality of intelligence that is coming from uh, America and its allies in, in helping the Ukrainian people. And, uh, and also, this is perhaps the first war we're seeing on Twitter as well, right? I mean, if we, media, right? if we want to talk about the Vietnam War was the first one we watched on TV, this could be the first one that we're actually engaged on social media. Right. And I think uh, I want to thank you yeah. as a former uh, employee within U.S. intelligence of all the great work your, uh, your, uh, your agency has done.
11: Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, and I, I targeted and worked against, uh, Soviet Union then Russia. and our, our intelligence has always been very, very good. What's really I'm super impressed with now is our ability to divulge this publicly, to undermine all the efforts Putin's doing to get out this information. We're so far ahead of him and to expose and to get to the Russian people how badly um, they're they're uh, losing this this uh, uh, this war. So um, it's important that we keep keep up uh, uh, speaking the truth sending out the intelligence we have that doesn't put our troops in danger, but yet puts puts, makes Russia exposes Russia even further on what they're doing. And, and, and actually helping the morale and, and the Ukrainian uh, fighters who are fighting for democracy, liberty, liberty everything we believe it.
2: Lon- um, we've got We've got a minute before we have to take a, a mandatory break. Okay. What would you like to tell the American people in that minute? Tell the world. You know, you know what well, I said to Putin, by the way? I said, if Russian intelligence is listening to this radio show, which they often do, I said, remind uh, Vladimir that look what happened to uh, uh, Saddam Hussein and look what happened to Gaddafi. It doesn't Muslim. matter if you have $100 billion mm-hmm. in Switzerland if you end up like them. That's right. And that,
11: you know, he should know that we have the technology and the wherewithal and the determination that we're not going to let this happen. And uh, the sooner he understands that and the sooner it pulls out, the better he's going to. That's the only way he's going to stay in power, I think.
2: Well, so, Lon, thank um, you so much. Thank you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. God bless you and God bless America. You know, John. Thanks
11: for having me on, John. Once again, good to talk to you again, John.
2: Thank John. you. You know, John, very quickly,
5: after I hear that. Yes. That intelligence that he's talking about now was probably known before this conflict. It's amazing that we sat
2: back and allowed it to get this far before. before well, Indiana. Governor, I'll give you my comment. They, The Russians looked at Afghanistan and what a bunch of That's exactly dumb, right. dumb crap we did. And, and I can't say other words that I'd like to say. When they saw Afghanistan, they say, well, the Chinese took Afghanistan we might as well take the Ukraine because they're not going to do crap about it. They left Americans you behind, wanna know the truth hanging government? off planes. That's bottom line. Yep. You know? Right. Well,
5: they—they—they they, they were almost right.
2: Yep, almost right. Mm-hmm. But they—they they, they don't have an army. Uh, Lydia, we're going to take a break.
3: And who's coming back? We are going to have Tom Harris. He's the acting president and CEO of the uh, Times Square Alliance. So we're going to talk about getting New York back open again. And hopefully it's going to happen soon. Let's do soon. a
2: quickie. And now let's take that break. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
1: John Ketchum the TV's.
3: Welcome back to the John Katz Katzmatiti's Cats at Night Show. We want to get New York back up and running, back to its former glory. And the guy who is trying to make it also happen is Tom Harris. He's the acting president and COO of the Times Square Alliance. Hi, Tom. How are you? Pretty good. How
9: are you, Lydia? Thank you very much for having me.
3: So it looks like the Times Square crowds are showing that New York City is returning to life. But then there's that pesky crime wave. I mean, we're seeing violent crime. It's surged from compared to last year, 54%. Uh, subway crime, 75 percent, 24 children have been have been shot at this past year. So there is still a lot of concern.
6: Tom, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to congratulate you and your efforts in Albany and organizing the groups with the business improvement districts to go up there and make the voices heard for common sense people who want to have a safe city. You're doing a great job.
9: Thank you very much, Judge. And I really get my inspiration from this show and from all of your efforts and your common sense solution Um, solutions. We started the bid coalition, the Midtown bid coalitions to show support for mayor Adams. He has a tough job. Uh, There's, I I think we have four problems in this city. We have a problem with unaddressed mental health issues, a problem with homeless, a problem with mental health and substance abuse And then apathy i think we 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 are we as a city uh, a lot of us have given up and we cannot give up we need to show mayor adams support Um, we have a five-point plan we think that that we can uh, give law enforcement the tools and support that they need to do this job and we can also connect those in need with services it's that balanced approach and proactive strategy that is the 2022 solution. Um, proactivity is, is is the key. Um, we are this way because we have become reactive.
6: And what's the reaction up in Albany? I know you've been up in Albany working on this. I know the Assembly and the Senate have adjourned till till Monday. What's your take on the uh, the atmospherics up there?
9: So we seem to have we, – we've seen some movement. We saw that, that the, the Senate is looking for a compromise bail reform bill, and that is extremely encouraging. When we started conversations, uh, any change was a non-starter, and we have seen a shift this week when we, we had conversations with one of the state senators. There seemed like there was, there was an opportunity for a compromise, and we're encouraged that they're taking the time off – to get it right. We don't need it fast. We need it right. Uh, if people believe in, in these common sense solutions, visit our website at a asafermidtown.nyc and we have a call to action to contact uh, Speaker um, Heasty and to also contact Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins and just tell them that you support Governor Hochul's 10-point safety plan and that's what's going to help New York come back, that type of balanced
2: approach. Tom, uh, we have a minute left before we go to uh, next break. What what else do you want to tell New Yorkers? So Times Square is back. New York City
9: is back. We want to create uh, a welcoming, safe environment. I think that if we all get together and we all work together with our elected officials, with the city agencies, if all of the city agencies work together, if we support them and we let Mayor Adams know that we support his efforts to restore order to our streets, to to provide help to those who need it as well as effective strategies and tools for law enforcement, we will we will propel into the future and be a, a better city for it.
2: Thank you. We stand side-by-side side, uh, with you, and uh, you have a voice on WABC, and we have a million people listening, and God bless you, and God bless New York because we need God's help in New York. Thank you so much.
9: Thank you, and God bless you guys too. Have a great Thank night. You.
2: And now our
3: next guest, and continuing the same uh, Discussion basically is Stephen Ide. He's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and an expert on mental illness in New York City. Um, Dr. Ide, we were seeing that now Mayor Adams is making a very strong effort to get our city back on track. He's clearing out the homeless encampments. He even got the, there, there was even a story in the Bronx where a homeless man had been living in a stairwell for two years, two years living in a stairwell and they couldn't get him out and yet you have, like, the Civil Liberties Union saying that this is not fair. What can be done? Because at the end of the day, people just want to be safe and be able to walk down the street without being harassed and without having people living like animals.
0: Yes, and one question I would ask about this debate is, um, has anyone seen what's going on in California recently? Has anybody been out to California or seen the videos on social media I mean, out on the West Coast, you've got these cities that have been dealing with encampments with hundreds of people. Can you imagine that? People living all together on the street and parks with tents, hundreds of people all clustered together. And in in San Francisco and in L.A., you know, you've reached a situation where it's, it's, it's not it's, – it's a real question, what's realistic to, to expect from those cities? What can even be done? New York has always kept the lid on things to, more than those cities have, but those cities, they should have prevented that problem to, or, from arising. The only thing you can really do with this hardcore street homelessness problem is a preventative approach. Keep it from really getting out of control, and to some extent, that's, I think, what's going on, and that's one way to think about what the, the current policies.
3: Now, there's this talk about um, Kendra's Law. Can you talk about that? Can a person who is mentally ill be held? Uh, Judge Weinberg, you know you know about this well, as well.
6: Doctor, we've talked about this before. That the issue seems to me that we have to toughen up the Kendra's Law to hold, be, be able to hold people in but for a few days because, uh, and get them treatment. And we have to have the facilities to do that. At least 30 days. But, and, and more importantly, there has to be the recognition that there's a linkage between mental illness and drug addiction. What say you?
0: Yeah, well, you're talking about a population who's sometimes referred to as service-resistant, okay? New York City spends more expansively on social service, mental health services than practically any other jurisdiction in America. I mean, it's just a very robust system in in terms of the funding. But what do you do when people don't accept those services? I mean, you can keep spending and spending and spending, but if people don't know they're ill or that's not the services they want, and and yet they're still deteriorating, like, in public, and we can see this happening, what do you do? There has to be an intervention. And there are a couple of different ways you can do that. We do have psychiatric hospitals, and we can talk about making more use of those. Kendra's Law is an intervention that allows people to live in the community outside of a psychiatric hospital, but with the type of supervision that somebody like that's going to need if they're going to be uh, able to be stable.
3: And so far, 239 encampments have been cleared out. People accepted shelter. I mean, this is –
2: it's crazy.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, look, you know, first of all, one thing to, that's important to emphasize, people are safer than in the street. I realize that many people have had very bad experiences in shelter. Um, they don't want to go back in shelter. That's a very difficult situation. But shelters, you know, you will be safer in a shelter than in the street. And so, you know, New York spends a few billion dollars on its shelter system. That There is an alternative for people. It's not maybe ideal from their perspective. Um, but it really is a more attractive alternative than the street. You're going to be Safer in the shelter, Doctor. Doctor.
3: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. John has a great idea. I want you to tell everybody your idea about uh, Rikers Island, John Katz and about. uh, And I want to hear, Doctor. Ide, what do you think of this idea? It's a simple idea, but Governor, we'll
2: go to you after that. But my idea was, we got plenty of of land in uh, Rikers Island. We got plenty of buildings for for a billion dollars. We can probably reconstruct them and make them hospitals and put the, uh, the mentally ill in the end and, and give them medical treatment they deserve. Uh, Governor, you know more about Rikers Island than I do. What do you say, Governor? Well, the
5: deinstitutionalization, which started in the late 70s and the late 80s, is what we're paying for now. We just don't have the spaces to put people. Right now, there are two or 300 beds in the shelters, but because of the red tape that has existed, you know, it's hard to ask homeless people to go through red tape. You can't tell them, come back tomorrow. So my suggestion really is that what Mayor Adams has done is finally forced the city to deal with these problems. And the homeless advocates who pointed this out today, they would never have even gotten a chance to do that had he not
6: said that he's tired of the system that we have now. It's a broken system and we have a responsibility to help these people and to protect our city.
3: They're a yeah. danger to themselves, a danger to society. We, as a as a great city and a civilized people, we shouldn't allow people to slowly commit suicide on the streets. Doctor, that's I-
8: exactly it. I mean, where's the compassion? Yes, deinstitutionalization did not bring compassion to these people. Seeing someone soiled on the street yeah. or hungry—that's not compassion.
4: And isn't it great to have a mayor who's willing to take on this issue?
0: Yeah, there's an old phrase: "Letting people die with their rights on." Mm,
6: That's what's going
0: on. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much, and uh, we're going to continue this conversation because those people in the streets of New York deserve treatment. They deserve hospitals. They deserve to be in shelters, and they don't deserve to be on the sidewalks in New York. Thank you so much. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to go directly to the other side of midnight. Frank Morano, and he's got some great stories that he wants to fill us in on
8: tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for Robinhood gold's ira with a three percent match you can get up to 195 dollars for the 2023 tax year
5: oh
11: yeah
8: sign up at robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market subscription fees apply
0: Investing involves
10: risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood
1: Financial, LLC. Member SIPC. Talk Radio 77. W.A.B.C. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on seventy seven WABC.
3: Welcome back to the John Cats Matidi's Cats at Night show. Right now, we have the number one overnight host show, radio show host in the country, Frank Morano, host of The Other Side of Midnight. He's also a guy with a, a lot of vast knowledge and excessive passion for cheese, Star Trek cigars, and martinis, as well as Carmine and Rachel. Welcome, Frank Murano back to Cats at Night.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you for that uh, <laughs> auspicious introduction, Lydia. Thank you. Hello, Governor. Hello, Johns. Hello, Ed. Hello, everybody. Ed, congratulations on the redistricting. Oh, thank win. you. Big, oh, big way to put all win. the naysayers to shame. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm wondering what this is going to do to petitioning with all the candidates well, it that have been falls, petitioning it falls, in the old
2: district. It all falls on uh, Judge Weinberg's wife now, so we'll see what happens. I, the take, the, I side, take the fear. You, take the you fit. have the other side of midnight. He, uh, he has the other side of the equation. Uh, uh, Frank, do you think the. Think that's the, the uh,
5: but, Frank, that's a very good point. Do you think yeah. that the primary day could be postponed because of
1: this? Yeah, he,
2: that's you you know, what they're doing?
1: That's a good sure. question. It's such a good question. Um, You know, I I know the federal courts have been very vocal about um, military ballots for for federal elections, and I think they could push it back as far as August.
4: The August uh, 23, we can push it back to August 23 and still stay within uh, the federal law with respect to military (laughs) ballots.
1: So I I guess that would uh, cause, um, you know, people to have the opportunity to re-petition again. Although, you know, I've made the case that people should not have to petition, just pay a filing fee like Florida does. But this changes the dynamics of all these races because you had a lot of candidates that decided to run or not run based on the district lines. So if the lines look a lot different, I think you could see a different set of candidates in a lot of districts.
2: Uh, Frank, what did I call you about? (laughs) <laughs> what you talk about. <laughs> yes, Let's go. Now uh, I was listening to your show at three o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep. Uh and uh, you uh you were telling a story about police or and New York police officer uh, Sal Greco first, and that Sal Greco met with um uh, Roger Stone Roger Stone and since Roger Stone was a, a felon, even though he's been pardoned. Uh, he was a felon. The NYPD, I understand, wants to uh, get him off the uh, the force? Yeah, John, this is a real shame. Uh, we're now,
1: Monday is going to be day three of this NYPD departmental trial. I'm trying to even figure out what the charge is, but apparently it's associating with criminals. And what the NYPD is saying, even though that Roger Stone was uh, pardoned by President Trump, no jail time, record totally expunged, that uh, Sal Greco uh, can't be associating with him and should be penalized for associating with him previously. I think it's a very tenuous argument they're also trying to make some tie with him and january 6th uh, even though he was not one of the Capitol rioters and it looks to me like the department which i think had a little bit of a different agenda under the last mayor is trying to criminalize um you know sal greco who served as a police officer judge, without a- any disciplinary charge for
2: 14 years judge weinberg any comment on that are you are you familiar with the case at all I, I know about the case. I
6: think, uh, this is an unfair prosecution by, by NYPD. Uh, Roger Stone was, uh, was pardoned. I don't know why they're going after, uh, uh Sal Greco. They should just leave Maloney. He's been an honorable, okay. decent man. Understood. Let's move yeah, on. I, I got one say, more
2: question. Re- yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got, we only got two and a half minutes. They're controlling. Yes, they're it. yelling at me. Got it. Got it. Now, got it, got I was listening it. to you the other day and uh, we were talking about Amelia Earhart, and tell us, what What happened? Did she die, or did she land someplace?
1: All right, well, I can't answer that question, but what I can tell you is that there's a new documentary that's coming out, an increasing school of thought that Amelia Earhart did survive, and that, I know this sounds far-fetched, but that she actually lived um, until 1982 in the United States. Uh, In the United States, under the identity of a woman named Irene Bolam. Now, I have put on Facebook, and you can just Google her name, Irene Bolam, B-O-L-A-M. The photos of her look exactly like Amelia Earhart. Now, Irene Bolam denied before she died that she was Irene, uh, Amelia Earhart, but she sued to stop the publishing of a book on this, and she didn't say in the lawsuit, I'm not Amelia Earhart. She said, I'm, I was not on the side of the Japanese, and I was not a bigamist. She could have just easily said, look, I'm willing to take a DNA test, wow. and I'm not Amelia Earhart. Because we may replay it Saturday uh, at 4 p.m. right after Curtis. That Nancy sounds great. You know, And I have
2: to remind everybody, Frank's on every night from 1 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock. Uh, in the morning, Monday through Friday, the other side of midnight, real, real mysteries and and a lot of other things. So listen to Frank. Um, I'm, I'm, we got one minute. You got 15 seconds, Frank.
1: Uh, well, I thank you for the opportunity, and I'll just say on the Sal Greco te- case, he's going to testify Monday. Uh, I wish, really wish the mayor would speak up in his defense because the mayor did private security for Mike Tyson, who was a, a convicted felon when he was a member of the NYPD. So he should appreciate how felonious uh, this, uh, h- how fallacious this prosecution thank,
2: is. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Judge Weinberg. Thank you. First, uh son. Uh Ed Cox. Uh, we uh, thank you to, uh, uh, Governor Ed, uh, Governor Patterson, thank you John Prado and uh, everything you've done for North America and Lydia Serrano God bless you. And make a donation to the Ukraine and uh, go to wabcradio.com go to the donation page buy food. 100% of the money goes to the Ukraine for food. God bless New York, God bless America, God bless Ukraine. Thank you so much. God bless.
1: I love my Italian heritage and the food that goes along with it. That's why on Sundays after church, I head over with my father to Italo's Fine Foods on Forest Avenue in Staten Island with our list for mom. They have two locations on Forest Avenue, 1566 and the new one at 725. It's family-owned and serving Italian specialties since 2014. They also have a full catering menu, the freshest meats, imported San Marzano tomatoes from Italy, and the best mozzarella. Order in-store, by phone, or online. They even deliver. ItaloFineFoods.com. I-T-A-L-O FineFoods.com. Tell them Vinny Madugno and WABC sent ya. Manja.